0: Hey Alexa, what's the definition of hustle? To be aggressive, especially in business or other financial dealings. Dealings, 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 dealings. You're listening to the H for Hustle podcast, designed to inspire future entrepreneurs to take the leap from working for someone else to pursue their passions and side hustles and turning them into full-fledged businesses. My name is Jerome Fenton. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Every week I'll be speaking with an entrepreneur that has taken that leap. We'll be talking about the lessons they've learned and how they've turned their passions and side hustles into full-fledged businesses. H for Hustle Podcast, welcome back. Another illustrious episode up ahead. Guys, and on today's episode, we have Fitz Kohler, the founder of Fitzness. Um, before we get into Fitz's story, I wanted to tell you guys: go over to youtube.com, type in H for Hustle, um, go over there, subscribe, watch our, our videos. The growth of the podcast is going to be on video as well, so I want you guys to head over there um, and just watch our new videos that we're going to be putting out over there. Also, go visit our website, hforhustle.com. Go read some of our blog posts. Um, get more tuned into the the brand of H for Hustle and what we're doing. On today's episode, we have Fitz Kohler. Um, so. So Fitz's story is pretty, pretty, pretty unique, um, where she was, you know, at a very early age, was kind of ill um, and then found fitness during that process. And she's one of those entrepreneurs that just doesn't have one title. She has multiple titles and has done a ton of things um, along her entrepreneurial journey. So I'm not going to waste too much time. Let's jump right into the episode right now. Boom. Boom, 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 boom.
1: Uh, Well, I do a bunch of things that allow me to laser focus on one simple thing, which is helping folks live better and longer by making fitness understandable, attainable, and fun.
0: Got it. So what part of fitness isn't understandable to people usually? Um,
1: Well, a lot of it, you know, the, I have a master's degree and I always say it's in the most simple, stupid science in the world, exercise and sports sciences. And it's really a very basic concept, you know, watch what you put in your mouth, move your body. However, because of My industry is filled with hacks, with liars, with snake oil salesmen that are constantly butchering the information to line their pockets. So many people believe that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and a perfect body if they do keto or if they go to GNC and buy a bunch of pills or powders. None of those things are true. Um, So yeah, I have to be a consumer advocate and I fight to the death to make sure people understand that um, the exact formula for weight loss is uh, simple- Management tool to get to be the weight you want to be. It's just learning how to eat the right foods, the right amounts of the right foods for the size you want to be, and then how to work their body and how to get the right sleep. And, you know, fitness is really simple, but I do it in a variety of ways. I teach via mass media. So I don't do anything in a gym, nothing small scale. Everything I do is TV, radio, books, magazines, corporate speaking, corporate spokesperson work. I like working with the corporations because they bring me their incredible audience. And then of course I do professional race announcing. I host, I host most of them, not most, I host a ton of, uh, the mega running events around the U S probably 30, 40 a year. And, uh, you know, and now I have a book and,
0: Blah, 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 I keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Got it, slash, 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 yep. slash, slash. Um, so let's go back a little bit. You know, um. How did you get into fitness? What was your beginning journey into this fitness uh, world?
1: So I'll keep it brief, but the abridged version is that I blew out my knee playing soccer at 14, had surgery, had physical therapy. I was kind of interested in that until I saw the PT touching my incision. And I thought, that's gross. And I'm squeamish, so I thought, no way. <laughs> And, but that PT said, hey, you got to join a gym and continue strength training or you're going to re injure your knee. And so my mom lied. She said I was 15, so I could join Spa Lady, the local fitness center for women. And I got in there and I loved the strength training equipment. And then I started taking classes and I thought the instructors were really cool. And I like their leotards or whatever the heck they had going on. And so um, I had been working at Cinnabon. So much like you, I'm an earner. I've always liked earning. Even when I was three or four, I was emptying trash cans for my dad's office just to make a buck here or there. But, um, but yeah, the manager at Cinnabon, she got real cranky with me one day. And I thought, fooey on this, I'm leaving. And I applied at the gym And thankfully they gave me an opportunity to teach a class. Now a few, they just said, Hey, have you ever taught before? I said, no. They said, how about you teach a class Friday? It was Tuesday. I had no training, (laughs) no nothing, but thankfully I'm a gamer. And I just said, okay, fine. And I showed up with a smile on my face and I told the students, I said, listen, this is my first class when we're done, you know, tell me what I did right, what I did wrong and I'll work on improving. And they did.
0: At what age were you at this point? You're teaching the class.
1: I think I was just turned 15. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I was just a teenager, but I was spunky and fearless. Thank goodness. And from there I, I continued to work at that gym for a while. I went to UF as a student, worked at their gym. And then I spent a summer working on a cruise ship over in Europe as the fitness director on board the crystal harmony, a beautiful ship. And I got to do some presentations in various countries. And then when I came back from the ship, I, uh, there was a TV show casting for instructors, so I auditioned and I was chosen. And, you know, one of the big pivot points came for me is that I went out to lunch to a barbecue restaurant one day and the, the TV show had been successful, had been mm-hmm. going for a while. And really, I roamed around with a group of college students. So as they recognized me and told me they loved working out with me, I expected it. But I was at this barbecue restaurant and the waitress, she was about 300 uh, something pounds, not someone you would considered to be exercising or paying attention. Right. But she came over to serve me and she said, are you fits? And I said, I am. And she said, oh my gosh, I love your show. And I do it every day when it's on and I record it so I could do it the days you're not on. And I've lost 17 pounds and boom, that hit me in my chest, like a cannon. And I thought, wow, I get to help her. I never, we weren't in the same social circles. I was a student. She was a mom, you know, blah, blah, blah. So fell in love with that. And did
0: you did you not think about it? Cause the TV show, you just go record. You don't think about the impact. Were you thinking about the impact on the other side or not really?
1: I I I can't remember what I was thinking, but clearly I hadn't considered that I actually was helping people change their life. Mm-hmm. Um and because it really I said it's been decades and I still remember that woman and her wow. story and that she lost 17 pounds. Wow. Uh and then I started. Pre- competitively kickboxing. And, um, I was able to write an article for a big magazine and some guy, it was the article was how to kick people in the head. And, (laughs) And I was teaching the people how to get strong enough to lift your legs, how to be flexible enough to get your leg up high. And then strategy, not only on kicking folks in the head, but getting them to move their face into your foot. And so that magazine was published, bookstores nationwide. And I got a letter, a handwritten letter in the mail two weeks later from a guy in Kentucky that said, hey, Fitz, read your article. Thank you so much. I just want to let you know for the first time ever I've kicked someone in their head. And I thought, wow, (laughs) yes, please. I want more of this. So um, my craving for mass media was solidified and I just wanted more of it. So instead of Um, taking the traditional route of most fitness professionals, working in a gym or doing personal training, I decided I want huge audiences. I want to affect as many lives as possible. And that's really how I've created my career.
0: Got it. Um, That was like the snapshot version. What were you, what was your class? What were you teaching? Like what kind of fitness were you teaching at this point?
1: Oh, uh, well, back then I was just teaching regular group fitness classes with all the dance moves and sometimes with sports conditioning moves, you know, ab workouts and
0: got it. got it it was just like a hodgepodge of different things
1: hodgepodge yeah absolutely got
0: it okay um and so what was like your first i guess client going into the mass media thing what was like the thing that you were like i did the tv in college when was like your client that you bought on board as the actual entrepreneur i guess at that point
1: So that's a really good question. I can say that I started small, you know, as soon as I started teaching fitness, I was volunteering for the Girl Scouts to teach kids about being healthy and volunteering for local organizations to help their members become fitter, et cetera, et cetera. One of the first corporate things I got, I was maybe 21 or 22 years old and because I was kickboxing Everlast, you know, Everlast, a boxing gear company. Yes, it, it um, exactly. We had connected and they were sending me a uh, workout gear to fight in. They had a large line of women's apparel. And so I would wear their cute sports bras when I went and kicked people in the head <sighs> in an arena, et cetera, et cetera. And they, you know, they, there were pictures of me they used in their advertisements, but yeah, they reached out and said, we we are supporting a grand opening of a sports authority. In Gainesville, Florida, where I lived at the time, where UF was, would you be willing to do a show, a performance? And so I said, sure, I could use some, you know, I, I would like to bring some people on to do sparring and things. So I, I didn't get paid in money for that, but they sent me another massive box of clothing, everything you could ever wish for. And then they sent five of my friends or students the same amount. And uh, I, they didn't give me money, but what they gave me at that time was. Uh, a real professional gig by uh, sponsored by Everlast and Sports Authority. So then I had two corporations to my name that I had actually presented for. And I built on that.
0: Got it. So how do you then parlay that into, I guess, the next client and turning this into like a full business at that point?
1: Uh so being a, a pain in the ass. Am I allowed to say that? Yes, you can. Curse, feel free.
0: <laughs> I am
1: a royal pain in the ass and you know you and I had discussed briefly fear being an issue and I can tell you that when I was fighting, people were doing a lot of articles on me. It was it was very rare for women to be in combat sports at the time, and I was pretty decent and I wasn't bad looking. You know, a lot of the girls in combat sports think I have to look tough. I got to put my hair short and kind of have this masculine persona and good for them every to each their own, but I had decided that I still wanted to be a cute girl and wanted to wear sundresses and, you know, so I and I was again good at it, so people yeah. would do a lot of magazine articles on me, but here's the deal. Every article they wrote was wrong in some way. They would misspell my name or they would even worse make up quotes. They would interview me. I would tell them things. And normally I was giving guidance to people on how to exercise properly or train properly. And they would make stuff up and it would make me look bad. And so I was constantly hitting these bookstores, six full page glossy photo spreads that made me look beautiful. And then all of a sudden I looked really dumb Um, or my name was spelled and I was infuriated. So, um, I was afraid to ask to write the articles. I really wanted to write the articles, Mm. but I was afraid to ask. And so it was interesting. I left one particularly brutal, uh, sparring session for while training for a fight. It was, it was me versus four people, you know, they alternated rounds. I stayed in all 12 rounds and yeah. Yeah, so it was tough, and I get in my car, and there was one of those magazines in the passenger seat, and i I was looking at it, thinking, "Ah, oh, this is so annoying. Why can't they get this right? I wish I could just write the article." And then it dawned on me. I had that epiphany that, "Hey, dum dumb, why aren't you asking for the opportunity? You walk into an arena jam packed with thousands of people, face off with a chick who wants to, <laughs> to knock you clear unconscious, yet you're afraid to call and ask." if you could write an article. And so I did. I had that conversation with myself. Hey, Bozo, there's no bleeding, no bruising, no broken bones or public humiliation. This is about.
0: easier than what I'm doing. Making the phone call.
1: <laughs> yeah. Why am I so afraid? And so I went back home to my apartment at the time and I picked up the phone and it was, um, I think it was Black Belt Magazine, which okay. I never did karate, but there's kind of a- A, a, a you crossover
0: know. with, with yeah. kickboxing, yeah.
1: Right. So I called- and I said, you know, hey, Bob, it's Fitz. Oh, hey, Fitz, how are you doing? I said, listen, I was thinking I'd really like to write an article for you. He goes, oh, that'd be great. And then he goes, and how much do you want? And I just, another.
0: You're <laughs> like, I back, get paid I thought, to do this. Holy <laughs> crap, you're going to pay me? He said, yes. So
1: then, you know, that was a really effective lesson learned for me. The fear of asking was foolish, was yeah. absolutely foolish. And so for almost every regard in my life, if there's no bleeding, no broken bones, no bruising, I force myself to do the things I'm afraid of. And business can be scary. Mm-hmm. But if that Failure to ask means you will never, ever uh, move forward if you don't even try. And so that's how I've pursued and a- accomplished most of my work is because I ask for it. I say, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is how how I can benefit you and create a win-win scenario. What do you think? And um, you know, early on, I would get some no's and I didn't like it very much. And
0: that's a part of the process.
1: Part of the process. And it's part of being young and, and somewhat inexperienced. And now I'm somewhat at the top of my game. And very few people tell me no. The only time I get a no is when they say, sorry, we can't afford you. Um, which is fine, which is also fine. But but yeah, I uh, the pain in the ass policy works really well for me.
0: <laughs> definitely. I, I would definitely uh, second that because if you don't ask, you don't know what you possibly can get. And then sometimes a no doesn't mean no. It just means like not right now, maybe right? just bad timing. Maybe yeah. like you said, it's just a pricing thing. You can always work that out. But if you don't say anything, you'll never know what's actually possible.
1: That's right, and the other thing is everything's negotiable. Yeah. Absolutely, everything is negotiable. So uh, you never know. You get to yeah. no, know. You say, okay, well, how can we work it out? What can, yeah. we, what, what can we do to get there?
0: I've had clients tell me like, I didn't think I could afford you. I'm like, well, you, you didn't ask. <laughs> you didn't right. mean, exactly. You know, so you know, there's things to figure out. So where do you then go from that point? You start writing. When do you get into all the other slashes next to your name? How do you, how does that all happen?
1: (laughs) So I just continued to push the envelope in every category. And so that TV show eventually ended Mm -hmm. but I wasn't done teaching on television. So I had seen other people teaching fitness for the news outlets. And I thought, yep, I can do that. And so I started reaching out to the local news affiliate and they were happy to bring me on once or twice a week. And then I started poking the bear regional affiliates, national news outlets. Um, the same went for speaking. You know, eventually you have to go from unpaid volunteer speaker to paid professional. And I just started putting price tags on it. And I, I started off, I mean, maybe I was asking for $200 or something. And then, you know, the price tag went up and up yeah, and that. up. Um, it, it It just has always been... I don't know, a, a naturally growing process for me. And sometimes I just get my eye on something and go, hmm, I want a little bit of that. And then once I want something, God help anyone who gets in my way because I, I have such a laser focus. And I, and again, that pain in the ass thing, I will go, if you tell me no, I will go around you. I will go below you. I will go straight through you if I need to. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's a great gift is um, being-
0: Persistent. Um,
1: persistent and undeterrable.
0: Got it. Um, where does that come from? Do you think? Do, were you around? Did you grow up around other entrepreneurs or that or just a quality of yours?
1: Uh, so my dad was an entrepreneur. He he actually owned collection agencies, which isn't considered one of the nicest things, but it whatever. Paid it, was, it, was, it paid the bills. It was <laughs> what he did, not what I do. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's ingrained in me. I, I I just want what I want. And fortunately, the things I want are usually pretty good for everybody. Got so it. I don't feel bad about it.
0: Got it. I could just hear the audience right now. um just saying she's making this sound way so easy. She just called the news and got on the news just like that. Like, can you break down the process of how you would go about doing that? Because I could just hear them, you know, the that's naysayers good. in my head.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's a good conversation to have. And so at that point I had, you know, X amount of uh, certifications in the fitness industry. I believe I had my master's degree at that time too. And I had already had some experience on TV. Even if you don't have experience on TV, you can reach out to a local news outlet and pitch a story. And so the story, you don't get paid by a news outlet usually. I mean, a national news outlet may pay for some things, but, um, you're offering a story, a service to the community. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, you're in real estate right now and there's three things people need to know if they're selling their home to get the most out of their sale. And you say, I got this this concept I'd like to share and you pitch it to the producer. And maybe they'll say, well, tell me who you are. Why are you the person to be pitching this story? And you say, well, I own a real estate agency and I've been doing it for 20 years and I have helped 17 people sell their home for more than they believe they could get for it. And they go, oh, okay. And so it's really not that complicated. It's not... Um such a hard thing to do. And, and it may take a few pitches. Maybe you don't have a really good pitch to begin with. Keep yeah. them simple, sweet. Maybe bullet points are good. Uh, but once you do it once, if you do a good job, they're more likely to bring you back. Do it with a smile on your face. Dress nice, dress as nicely as possible. Overdress. Don't show up in a tuxedo or a gown. But um, <laughs> but yeah, be the professional. And then once you have that on your resume, you can tell other people about your experience with the local news, and they'll be more likely to bring you over to their outlet as well.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really good tip. And from someone like myself who actually got news coverage, the best thing to do is start local. The yeah. local news, what you don't understand is a lot of the l- local papers, the writers are dying or the, they're Repentant. dying to, to create something. Right? Yeah. So if you come to them with something already in tote, they're like, great, we have something on Friday. We could just plug you right in, you know? Um, uh,
1: and it works hand in hand. So if you're the guy who's on the news once a month or whatever, all of a sudden those buyers are going to, say, hey, Bob, I see him on the news all the time. He must be the big deal in real estate. So it's actually to your benefit. Um, What I do recommend is if you are going to speak publicly, you need to work on your speaking skills. So you do not show up on a news outlet and say, um, and like, and duh, you just, you have to be clear, concise, join Toastmasters, take it seriously because you may not get a second chance.
0: That's a, that's a great tip. Toastmasters is actually great, great. I wanted to jump in the episode really quickly to tell you about today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is True Digital Design. That's T-R-U Digital Designs. Now, I'm gonna be honest, when I was looking for a place to build my website i was lost in the sauce i didn't know which where to go should i go wordpress should i go this i was just confused um and i reached out to a good friend of mine andrew john he's a founder of true digital designs and he was able to make us a clean beautiful mobile first website um and you know the great part about andrew and his company is that he understands that early stage entrepreneurs um, have to fund everything themselves so he offers even payment plans um, to help uh people get their website started and you don't have to break your bank to get that thing going uh, especially when you're just starting to fund your side hustle um, so he understands that he works with entrepreneurs and he gives you exactly what you're looking for for your website and for all the h for hustle listeners he's giving you a promo code it's hustle15 go to websites true tru type in the code hustle15 and you'll get 15% off uh, the prices that he has there. So let's get back into the episode, 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 episode. So now, a lot of this audience, like I told you previously, they suffer from fear, right? They suffer from the fact that they they might have tried a, a, a side hustle, it didn't go as well. They might have not made any money. They were persistent, but they got a couple of no's and got deterred. How? What advice would you give that person who wants to do something, but they're they're stuck just in the paralysis analysis or the fear part of it?
1: So uh, you can't chase every idea. And it's funny within fitness, so many people like fits, you should do blank, you should do blank. And I think, "Mm, no, that's not my passion. That's not what I want to do. But when I do want to do something, I learn as much as I can about the process. So I come fully armed before I make that move going forward. Um, So yeah, do your research. Have a game plan. You know, I actually I've never written a business plan, and uh, people say lay out a business plan. And I think I don't know how to do a business plan. I've never <laughs> done that before, and I'm I also own my own damn company, so I don't need a business plan. I just do business the way I want to do business. <laughs> um, but for example, with my new book that came out, I could have uh, I could have gone with the traditional publishing route, and I have enough of a plat- a national platform and audience that I believe a publisher would have said, yeah, Fitz, we'll publish your book. It's a good investment. But then I decided that I didn't want anyone else dictating my words, my story. I didn't want any of them making the decisions for my product or, you know, publishers take three years. So um, my new book is called My Noisy Cancer Comeback. And I just decided that I was going to get it done myself. Now I not published a book before, but there's a bazillion resources out there yep. on how to do it. And so I would wake up every single morning and I was still going through chemo at the time, but uh, I would wake up and I turn on YouTube. There was a few go-to professionals on the self-publishing world. And I would just watch them in the shower <laughs> for That's 10 it. minutes. And then yeah. when I took my dog on a 20 minute walk, I would continue watching these videos. And so I just continued to arm myself with the information. And then when it came time to invest in the actual production of the book, uh, which cost thousands to have it done right, I felt really confident that I was going in the right direction and it was going to be worth my while. And, you know, within two months, I've paid off the book already. And now from here on out, it'll just be profit. And I'm excited about that.
0: And you've educated yourself to the point that now you can actually deliver on that and deliver it properly. Also leverage the media stuff that you have to sell your book properly.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? I think people who don't do the research, they think, oh, I'll just edit the book on uh, Grammarly on my computer. I'll just create a book cover on Canva. Word
0: Word. <laughs> you know,
1: it's a terrible idea to do those things yourself. I, I was the writer. I'm the author. I get it. But I also know 100% that zero people on planet earth should be publishing a book without a professional editor going through it and having it proofed and having it designed and having it laid out you know those are important factors in having a quality product that people want to not only buy but recommend and so yeah I learned as much as I could and then I pulled the trigger and thankfully it worked for me because I came armed with information.
0: So when, let's go back a bit, you know, because your book is about your cancer comeback. Yeah. Um, When did you, when did you find out you were diagnosed with cancer and then how did you maneuver through all of that while still being an entrepreneur? Because that sometimes will cripple a complete business and a person completely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So December, 2018, I went in for annual mammogram, came out with a bill of clean health. There was nothing on those scans. Less than seven weeks later at a, uh, in a hotel bathroom at a race weekend, I rubbed my under boob and I found it. I found a lump and I went, uh-oh. And uh, pivot point. I did not call my mom and cry. I didn't Google it. I didn't whine to my friends. I picked up the phone and I called my doctor instantly. I was taking it seriously. So were they. Um, within a week, i had had the mammogram, the punch biopsy. A week later, I got the full-blown diagnosis. A week later, I started chemo. And so wow. I had a pretty aggressive form of breast cancer and I endured 21 rounds of chemo every three weeks. So it was 15 months of chemo,
0: what?
1: 33 rounds of radiation, several surgeries. And the first five months of chemo, I was given what is considered to be the most toxic combination of chemotherapy that they give. And so um, I was violently ill. I really was, I was dragged behind a horse for a good year and a half, but here's the deal. Before my treatment started, I decided I was not giving up my career and I was not giving up time with my children. And that's the beauty of pursuing a career that you love so much that you're fully passionate about, because no matter what goes wrong, you will not give it up. And so sometimes people are hit with crisis and they have that revelation. Oh, my life is going the wrong direction. I need to change course. My crisis, my diagnosis solidified that I was definitely on the track doing the absolute right thing because- there was no way in hell no matter what cancer or chemo threw at me i was giving up one event one race one runner one moment on those stages where i rightfully earned my uh, position on and so for anyone who's like what is this i'm a race announcer and so you know i'm at the start and the finish line oh, and i yeah. as the runners gather i greet them i get them informed engaged i yell go i welcome them home it's magical um so i de- i declare this upfront before chemo. And I actually made a video cause I have, I have a large audience and I thought, uh, they're going to ask questions if I show up bald. So yes. I made a little video and said, Hey guys, this is my deal. I got breast cancer. It's no fun. Um, but doctor says I'm curable. So I will not accept pity and you can root for me all day. No pity. And <laughs> I will uh, show up at all of my events you expect to see me at, and I will perform as expected looking forward to those hugs. And And then all of a sudden, chemo kicked in, and I just, my world went spinning literally. And, uh, but then here's the deal I love what I do so much that I just told my doctor, I said, Hey, I show up one day dehydrated and dizzy, the whole, the whole chemo mess. And I went in, he said, we need to get you on IV fluids. And I said, listen, I got to get on a plane Friday. He goes, "To what? I said, I'm announcing the Los Angeles marathon. And he goes, he didn't tell me to stay home. Like many doctors would be like, oh, you can't do that. He said, well, we need to get you on your feet. And so from that point, we laid out this game plan that I had IV fluids every single weekday uh, for five months. And I even got them out of town. So I would fly from Florida to California or to New York or whatever. And sometimes I was being picked up at the airport and rushed over to a hydration salon, which is the weirdest thing, but I had some IVs there. Or sometimes um, my race directors had arranged for nurses to show up in my hotel rooms
0: to to give me
1: IV IV fluids. Yeah. I'd, I'd announce a race. I'd go straight back. They'd hook me up, they'd fill me up. And then I'd go back out and yell some more. So uh, it was, wow.
0: But do you think it was because of the mindset and that declaration in the beginning? Like, absolutely. This is what it's going to be. And it's like the universe has found ways for that to happen.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I could have taken a year and a half off and absolutely nobody on planet Earth would have blamed me except for me. You know, mm. missing out on the thing I love, completely unacceptable. So I found a way. and. Uh, you know, it was dire. It was dramatic. There was a lot of chaos and suffering and so forth. However, you know, I always kept perspective. Um, I always said, "Is I'm not a kid with cancer, and that would be way worse. It's not my kid with cancer, which would be the worst." Was, Unfortunately yeah. for me, it wasn't one of the most more typically lethal types of cancer. So I decided I would never have a pity party. I was just going to suck it up and keep going. Nobody knew I was sick. I just on social media, I would just say, "I'm fine." So nobody needed to know. It wasn't any of their business and it wouldn't have helped them. So I, I faked it. I could have won an Academy Award for the year, but, you know, <laughs> perspective kept me going. And, and, and I can say that I cried all the time, but I just chose to cry alone in my car or alone in my bathroom and just not burden the world with that. Number two, those passions, I, I, I mean, A, my kids, number one, you know, the kids are yeah. everything. I would do anything to be with them and see them achieve but then, you know, I would go from sleeping on a hotel bathroom floor, sick. And I don't know why we do that. why do we sleep on the, on the bathroom floor when we're sick? So it's so cold and idea.
0: nice. <laughs> 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 I guess, I guess, but I would it's go so from dirty there. Too. Yeah. Hotel bathroom towels, all a bunch of, but,
1: but then my alarm would go off at four or four thirty AM and I'd get myself up and I put on my clothes and I'd go over to my stage and no matter how bad I felt, the second I stepped onto those stages, the joy zing, would yeah. It was like, yeah, I someone hit my on switch and I was full force fitzkohler again. And so that's the power of your passion. If you love music, if you love soccer, if you love yeah. animals or art, whatever it is, it has the ability to enliven you again and and make you vibrant again as much as humanly possible. And and really focusing on um the efforts of 20,000 people in front of me was a really good way to distract myself, what was going on inside my body. And then last but not least, I just chose to be positive. You know, I, I could have, I could have complained and whined and I could have done all that. I didn't see any great point. And when someone said something funny, I chose to laugh, you know, we all, we all get options. And I, I think I made damn good ones.
0: That's that's wow. That's a lot. That's pretty strong for, cancer because some people again throw themselves a pity party they go down that rabbit hole so for you to be that strong through it is pretty pretty awesome um what would you say because you know i've I've talked to people who've had cancer before there's usually some sort of perspective switch that they all have was there a perspective switch for you that that you got out of this that whole experience that year and a half of going through chemo and the whole thing
1: Yeah. So the great gift of being me is that uh, I am the ultimate optimist and I can't stand slackers and complainers and quitters and so forth. So, and that's just honest, you know, I'm I'm happy to speak honestly about it. So I already enjoyed every day before, but even more so now, you know, the simple things in my life, um, You know, I went bald. I had two feet of hair and then I went bald and that wasn't a lot of fun. And now I've got kind of a mullet. This thing is very managed, shorter on top, (laughs) longer in back. And so I'm managing a mullet trying to look okay. But then I think, okay, well, at least I have hair, you know, so at least I'm alive. There's, it's such an easy thing to say and genuinely mean it. So first for certain, I would not go back and take cancer. If someone said, hey, would you go back and do it again? Heck no, (laughs) I was... (laughs) <laughs> that was hard and stressful and terrifying. It was, it was so painful, but, um, am I better for it? Uh, probably I'll concede that probably there's been a silver lining.
0: Got it. Um, so, you know, this is one of the questions I always ask is, uh, you know, there's somebody right now they're behind a, uh, and they're in a cubicle, they're dying a slow death or they're working a job they just hate. Right, um, they want to make a transition, but they don't have the first steps, or they just don't know how. What advice would you give that person who's listening to this, and you know, they're just dying that slow death in a place that they hate to go to work in?
1: Yeah, so I almost went down the wrong path. Even though I had taught fitness in all of these wonderful ways, I almost went to law school. And so, my final semester undergrad, I had this career planning class, and we made two lists. On one list, I was supposed to write down all the things I love to do just for fun, things that made me happy. And then on the other list was the top 10 things I hated doing, just couldn't be bothered by blah, blah, blah. The top three things on my love list were sport and fitness, music, and helping people. And that's nerdy, but it's true. And then on my hate list, number one was sit down, and number two was read. And what do lawyers do all day? Sit
0: down and read. Sit and read. (laughs) And so I was like,
1: okay, no. And then I looked at my uh, love list and the, and I had the epiphany that, okay, I'm already doing the thing I love to do. How do I turn this into a career? You know, I mean, yeah. I, people that work at gyms, traditionally, they have jobs. They don't have professions. They're not, they don't have salary and sick time and so forth. And I also don't have salary and sick time because I'm an entrepreneur, but I, I had to figure out, I had to create a career knowing that there wasn't a job that I could apply for that would satisfy me. So for you, write down your love list. And then, you know, if you love kittens and surfing, so maybe you have you're the first ever kitten surf camp or whatever, there's a way to combine your passions. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a job that already is available to you or a profession that you could dive into, maybe starting small, working your way up, or maybe, you create, uh, it's the side hustle, right? You pay your bills with your nine to five until you can support yourself on the other side. Uh, one right. of the great gifts from my business is I i really have never had to take out giant loans. And uh, that's a very fortunate position for me to be in. Uh, if I would have had to, you know, risk $300,000 to do XYZ, maybe I wouldn't have done it. So um, but be adventurous, be be responsible yeah. <laughs> if you can combine the both and pursue your love list. It matters.
0: And, and you know, sometimes there's a part. Yeah, you know, sometimes I try to give people advice on this too. Like sometimes you might have to have a couple slashes in your name until yeah. you know your name is big enough that you, it all makes sense. Like you know, everyone forgets like Joe Rogan. He was in, a, he was like Fear Factor, and then he that's did, right. then he did announcing for UFC. He still does that, yeah. but it, it, before the podcast was just thing in the back, and then now it becomes this bigger thing. Um, so you might find things that you can do, you know, race announcing or this, that, and the third. That's still in your wheelhouse, yes. but not technically directly. It's still fitness, but you're not the one teaching fitness, you know. It's like
1: Right, and here's the deal. I have people who say they get burnt out. You know, I'm just burnt out on XYZ. The word retirement for me is a nightmare. I don't ever want to stop doing what I do, and one of the reasons I'm so successful with it is because I'm so crazy passionate about the subject. Um so find something that you imagine you can't live without. You know, that's the secret to never working a day in your life. That prof- profession Actually, exists for you. You just have to figure it out. Nobody can do that for you.
0: Got it. Thank you so much for that piece of knowledge right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how has entrepreneurship changed your life for the good and for the bad?
1: Uh, I think it's made me a very. What's uh, I I've learned to take complete responsibilities of my failures. So my business is fitness, right? My name is in my brand. If I, if my company fails, if I fail, it's only because of me Mm -hmm. and there's nobody to point a finger at. I am the bottom dollar here. And so uh, I think I take great ownership of anything and everything I'm engaged in because there's personal um, accountability there. And so because of that, I can also fully celebrate my successes. And so on occasion, someone will say, well, you're blah, 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 woman. Don't, don't categorize me as a woman. I happen to be a woman, but my lady parts have absolutely nothing to do with my success. I don't, you know, I'll stand up against any man and I think I'll probably do a better job when it comes to teaching fitness. And I probably do a better job when it comes to race announcing too. And that's not because of my gender. It's because I'm damn good at what I do. So um, stop with the subcategories, stop playing the victim Decide to be the victor. And if you look around, there's someone of every gender, every subgender, every color, every religion, every everything at the top of almost every game in the world right now. So uh, you can't point at your failures and blame other people and accuse them of holding you down or they don't like women or whatever. No. You need to fight for what you want and you need to become the best at it. Show up early, stay late, practice more, get a better better education and hobnob, rub elbows with the people doing what you're doing. You know, go for it fully and then you can fully own your success.
0: Nice. Thank you. Um, Last question. Do you think your success has been based off of luck or your hustle?
1: Hustle. Hustle 100%. Got Absolutely. It. Do
0: you think luck plays any part in anything you're doing?
1: Um, or have done. Not that I can think of. Not that I can think of. I do believe some people get damn lucky, but uh, I don't think I've been one of them.
0: No. <laughs> Got it. Uh-huh. Um, so parting words, you know, where can people find your book, learn about your your comeback, learn more about you if they want? Where um where can they actually find you?
1: Thank you. So my main hub is fitness.com. That's F I T Z N E S S. If you go to fitness.com, you'll always find me. There's also tons of free resources on getting fit recipes, videos, you name it. It's there. It's also the best place to purchase my book. It's called my noisy cancer comeback running at the mouth while running for my life. It's full of all sorts of gory, juicy details and a good solid kick in the can for both um, patients and professionals. So uh, if you buy a book there, they all come autographed and come with a fun little gift with purchase And then I'm at social media, at fitsness on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And I want you to follow me, but I really want you to communicate. So, you know, say, hey, I'm a hustler too, and I listen to Jerome, and, you know, that matters a lot to me that we actually get to know each other and, you know. Connect. I can
0: call you back. Oh, awesome. So thank you so much, guys. Definitely uh, flood her website. Let her know that we are here and alive. Actually go buy some of those books as well. Um, if if It's great for someone who's going through a cancer struggle or have gone through it. I guess it's a great story for that. So definitely uh, check it out. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks, Jerome. And uh, hope to talk to you soon, Hustlers.
0: hustlers. And just like that, guys, another illustrious episode is In the Can. I would love to know what you guys thought of this episode. Uh, Go over to uh, Instagram.com and type in H for Hustle. Um, Underneath the video art for this episode, I want you guys to tell me what you thought of this actual episode. I'd love to know what part of this story inspired you, motivated you, or what you learned from this episode. Um, I would love to know that. Go over to Instagram.com and under the clip of Fitz, I want you guys to tell me what you thought of this episode. That's all I got for this week, guys. And I'll close with a quote from the late great nipsey hustle the quote goes the game is going to test you never fold stay 10 toes down it's not on you it's in you and what's in you they can't take away that's it guys Boom. boom boom boom